All right, let's, uh, let's open our Bibles to John chapter one, if you would. would. Try not to be too long this morning, but uh, we're gonna go into John chapter one and see what God has for us there. Now, the traditional Christmas story uh, comes to us from uh, the gospel of uh, Luke mainly and from Matthew. Mark begins uh, his account of the, uh, of the gospel with John the Baptist as the forerunner of Jesus and Jesus as a full-grown man of around 30 years of age coming to the river Jordan to be baptized by John. And so Mark doesn't cover the nativity of Jesus at all. The traditional story comes with uh, shepherds and sheep and uh, wise men and angels and donkeys and politicians and mangers filled with hay and swaddling clothes. And, and then there's the gospel according to John. And uh, John covers the uh, nativity of Jesus, but he seems to have a little interest in what may be considered incidental matters. The gospel of John really is quite different, isn't it? Um, hopefully you've read John chapter 1 over the course of the last week and a half or so. We uh, put out the, gospel, uh, the uh, scripture readings in advance, a week and a half in advance in our um, newsletter that comes out by email on Thursdays, if you get that. Um, so hopefully you've read through. Now there, there's this consensus that uh, John was written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and it may well be that John did not feel a need to rehearse a lot of the material or the same material as the other writers. Um, certainly, if you've read the gospel according to John you would, and the other gospels you would, accounts, you would recognize that John does have a lot of mis- distinct material in, uh, in his, uh, his writing. And, and he has a different writing style too. For one thing, he's very direct and very to the point. And so John begins his gospel account very direct and very to the point when he says in John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He just jumps right in and he jumps to his main point, his first priority, which is to have us understand that Jesus is not a created one Rather, he is the creator of all. And uh, he's not part of the created world. He is infinite above the world. Jesus is Lord. One of the the oldest, maybe the oldest creed of the Christian church. Jesus is Lord. So pray with me. Father, as we dig a little bit into John chapter 1 today, we pray that you would bless this portion of your word to our hearts, that we might be impacted by it in a way that is according to your wishes, your desires, your intentions for our lives here today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your precious Holy Spirit who leads us in your word. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that Jesus would be exalted in our lives today as we uh, come to understand and apply these precious truths. Uh, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So he jumps right in. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The beginning of what? In the beginning, what beginning? The beginning of everything that exists, excepting God himself who made everything. Now the word that is translated word in John 1.1 is the word, uh, the Greek word logos. It was a term that was popular in Greek philosophy and was uh, thought of as uh, logic. The word logic comes from the word logos, obviously, or reason. And it has everything to do with the uh, principal truths that we see evidenced in all of creation because it's built into all of creation, even though somehow it exists apart from and above all of creation. The ancient Greek philosopher um, Heraclitus, writing uh, in the 6th century BC, so we're talking Uh, 500 years prior to the birth of Jesus, the Greek philosopher Heraclitus said that the logos is always existent. All things happen through this logos. So the Greeks had this idea of this, this, uh, what they referred to as the logos or the reason or the logic behind everything that exists and that is somehow built into everything that exists and yet, uh, apart from it, um, Leon Morris, who's a Bible uh, scholar, he uh, wrote that the logos denoted something like the world soul, the soul of the universe. It was an all-pervading principle, the rational principle of the universe. So John's familiar with with all of this, and he's writing about the intelligence behind and in everything that exists. The intelligence, um, the, the mistaken notion that atheistic evolutionists have that, that dominates so much of uh, our popular culture uh, that denies the whole concept of intelligent design. It's kind of ironic, really, because in order to buy into that, you have to be illogical. It is uh, illogical to deny the logic behind creation or the intelligence behind creation. Simply put, I'll put it as simply as I can, atheism makes no sense because it denies what is obvious or should be obvious. It would require uh, that intelligence comes from non-intelligence. It's uh, pretty ironic when you have so much talk in atheistic communities about logic. Um, But while John is certainly familiar with the whole Greek discussion uh, and is able to speak to those, uh, his thinking is clearly informed by Scripture. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter one, verse one. John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the Hebrew scriptures connect uh, 
the idea of intelligence uh, with creation when in the Old Testament um, you have this uh, topic of wisdom, which is the result of God building principles into creation and begins with the reverence or fear for God. You've read through the Proverbs, I'm sure, and seen that there. Now, Jesus used terms all the time to refer to himself. Uh, you know, you, you read through the book of John. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it, it seems to me that the idea here in John 1, 1, where it says, in the beginning was the word, or the logos, uh, is not dissimilar to Jesus saying, I am the truth. Because the truth exists, not because we're able to discern it or because we're able to somehow create truth. Truth exists. And uh, Jesus said, I am the truth. John says, in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word was with God and the word was God. And then he goes on to say in verse three, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So do you think that John wants us to get the point here? Because he's, he's leaving no doubt as to what he's, he is saying. He's saying that Jesus is not a created one. He is, in fact, the creator of all. He is not part of creation. He is infinite above all of creation. And these are profound statements that John is making here, and he's intending to establish the biblical testimony identifying who Jesus is as the creator God of the universe. And John goes on to use other terms that come to us uh, from that first few verses of the book of Genesis, terms like life and light. John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The first time we hear God speak in the biblical record is in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, where God says, let there be light. There's no question but what John's mind here is on those first verses in Genesis chapter 1 as he intends to identify Jesus with the God of creation, Genesis chapter 1. We cannot make light. You cannot make light. You say, well, I can turn on a flashlight or I can go to the wall and switch on the switch or I can, I can take a match and light a fire. Yeah, but all, you're not creating light. All you're doing is releasing energy that, that is built into creation that God already created. And that's all we can do. We can't create uh, light. Light is, uh, is energy and... Uh, there is no new energy being created. Now, that is a, 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 an observable, measurable, scientific fact. There is no new energy being created, just as there is no new life being cre created. As human beings, we can procreate, but that's different, isn't it? And... Uh, Fire is the same, energy is the same, and it's the same with life. Only God can create life. And that's where John is going with this. He's, he's talking about a new creation. He wants to talk about a new creation. And the only way a new creation is possible is if God is the one 
who is creating. So in uh, John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Uh, Again, John is writing here, no doubt, with knowledge of the other accounts of the life of Jesus, all of which talk about John the Baptist as the forerunner of Jesus. It's interesting that John uh, chooses not to cover any of the details from Jesus' birth or early life uh, that the other gospel accounts cover, but he does pick up on this man, John the Baptist, as we know him. Why, why would he do that? Maybe it's because of the powerful testimony that John the Baptist had, uh, which his readers would have all been familiar with, because John is interested in establishing a testimony here. The whole, the whole gospel, according to John, is written as uh, an eyewitness testimony to the glory of of Jesus Christ. So in verse 9, it says, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's the Christmas story, right? The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So all of this is to establish uh, a testimony. John, remember, is a chosen apostle of Jesus. And he is testifying uh, of Jesus. And his testimony in John chapter 1 is that this one we know as Jesus of Nazareth is also Jesus from heaven. And if you read through the gospel according to John, you'll see references all throughout where Jesus himself will, will make statements about how he has come down from heaven. Not to do my own will, Jesus said, but to do the will of him who sent me. He is not a created one. He is, in fact, the creator of all. He's not part of the created world. He is rather over the world and infinite above and beyond all of it. And then in one um, phrase, one sentence, John writes this profound truth. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is not a created one. He is the creator of all. He is not part of the created world. He is above it. But his flesh, the flesh of Jesus, the body of the man Jesus, that is fully that of creation. That's profound, isn't it? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. How did John know that, the, that Jesus was the Lord of heaven, come from heaven? Well, obviously it needed to be revealed to him uh, because if it hadn't have been revealed to him by God, then he would, it would have remained unknown to him. So in one sense, we could say that it, it, he knew because God had revealed it to him. But if you were to ask John the question, if you were, if you were to uh, be able to travel back in time and say, hey, John, uh, 
youngest of all the disciples, as near as we can tell from Scripture. Uh, how do you know? He might say, because we have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. John chapter 1, verse 14, in the beginning, uh, uh, sorry, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, that word uh, glory is uh, used uh, to um, uh, reference that which is indescribable yet observable, a demonstration of power and, uh, and greatness. He is not among the created things. This idea of, of glory is uh, the Christ glory. It's like otherworldly. Um, John said, we've seen his glory. When you consider the stated purpose of John, John chapter 20, right? Anybody, anyone that, of you that has studied uh, scripture, you probably have done some study in the gospel according to John because it's, it's perhaps the, the whole portion of the, of the Bible that we, that we often recommend to, for people to read uh, and study when perhaps they're, maybe they're new to uh, the Christian faith because um, John is so clear and to the point and, uh, and, ma- and matter of fact uh, that he makes his, his writing style very accessible to us. Uh, but, and if you study the book of John, the gospel according to John at all, then you know that John states his purpose for writing in John chapter 20. And it says in John chapter 20, verse 30, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. What signs? Signs of what? Signs of his glory. Signs of his identity. But these are written, verse 31 says, John 20, verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Again, imagine you were having a conversation with John, and you'd say, John, why is this all so important to you? John, you're just kind of hammering away here, and you're very front chapter of your, of your, uh, your gospel account here. You're hammering away on this uh, so much. Why, why, uh, why is this so important to you? What exactly is on the line here? And John might say, your life is on the line. John chapter 20, verse uh, 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. By implication, you can't have life without believing. What is it that we're called on to believe? That Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is who he is uh, testified to be, that he is not part of the creation, that he is above and infinitely above it all as the creator of all. Come for us. Um, John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and says, we know you're a teacher come from God because nobody could do these things that you've been doing unless God has sent him. And Jesus just cuts through all of that and says to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. 
In other words, you need new life. And, and he says to Nicodemus, if you're not born again, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. There is no life without the new life that Jesus Christ has to offer because of who he is. The main topic of John chapter 1 is the incarnation, what we call the incarnation, that is God becoming flesh. Because that's what the the word uh, means. The other topic that follows close behind it is the rejection. And John talks about that here too. He says that, uh, that the light that has come into the world, uh, and this is a profoundly ironic thing, isn't it, when you, when you think about it, that he would be rejected by the very ones who owe to him their very existence. Um, I want to jump back to the verses we jumped over, verses 9 10 and 11. In verse 5, it says the light shines in the darkness. And in verse 9, it says the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came unto his own. This is verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own people did not receive him. If you look in the margin of your Bible there, you might see a note that says that the word people there is not actually part of the Greek text, that it is implied it says that the word, the word people is implied, but it's, it's not there. So literally, it reads, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, I, I certainly agree that it is implied. It's obviously implied, but I don't know if adding it really adds anything, because I think what John is saying is profoundly um, uh, straightforward as well as being very ironic the way he says it. He came into his own and his own received him not. Who's his own? Now some, some people have read this and say, well, he's talking about the Jews there because Jesus was a Jew and he came to the Jew, his, to his, his own people and his own people rejected him. And that's certainly true, but it's more than that. He's talking about creation here. Everything is his own. Everything, there's nothing. Remember, there's nothing that was made that he didn't make. And yet, he is rejected by that which he made. He who deserved, rightfully deserved, uh, the full claim of ownership on all of our lives, he has been rejected. And... um, you know, it's 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 uh, it's meant to be uh, it's meant to be shocking. It's meant to be preposterous, unthinkable. It's written that way by John. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. Um, that which he made rejected him. That which owed his its very existence to him has shunned him. It's kind of like having uh, a, 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 your kid tell you where to get off, only more so. It's not right. It's completely and utterly disrespectful. And yet that's what happens. Um, this, is, this is a major theme in, in John. And Jesus talks about it. John chapter 3, verse 16, everybody knows the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whosoever, the only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, verse 17. Do you know that verse? Because Jesus says that he didn't come to condemn the world. The Son of Man has not come to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. For whoever soever, verse 18, whoever believes in him is uh, not condemned. But whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. And so they refuse to come to the light. That, the, that, that rejection and it's kind, of the, it's kind of the other side of it, isn't it? Uh, you know, the, those who hear and believe and those who hear and choose not to believe. Believe what? Can I say this to you? Those who believe or choose not to believe the Christmas message... Because the Christmas message is a message of salvation. It's a message of hope. It's a message of rescue coming from outside of this fallen world. Now, why would people reject Jesus? Why would people reject God? One of the earliest examples of Scripture that we we have uh, of Jesus being rejected is Herod. Herod doesn't usually make it into the traditional Christmas story, but he is very much a part of the, of, the, of the first Christmas story. And maybe it's because we don't like to tell the not-so-nice parts of the story. We just like the nice parts of the story. But Herod's rejection of Jesus is very much a part of the Christmas story because that's the two sides. There's the acceptance and the belief, or there's the rejection and the disbelief. And why did Herod reject uh, Jesus. I, I think we know the answer to that question. It's because uh, Herod wanted it to be all about him. He wanted to be the great king, right? In fact, history calls him Herod the what? Herod the Great. Do you think he likes that? I think he loved that. And that way it could be all about him. And, and But isn't that the way it always is. Now, some famous atheists have been very honest about this. They've been, they actually have said, yeah, I don't want anybody, including God, if he existed, telling me what to do. Whether it's, whether we're talking about uh, money or relationships or sexuality or whatever it is, but there is only one king in the kingdom of heaven. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Who were born not of flesh, or sorry, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. We love the story of the birth of Jesus. 
right? I love the story of the birth of Jesus. Um, the world loves the story of the birth of Jesus. You know, the, 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 the manger and the shepherds and the angels and the animals, and those things are, are, are nice because they're, they're earthy. We identify with, with all those things. Uh, even the word nativity, you know, is that the word we get the word native, uh, native land, you know, that it's, it's native to us. We, we, we understand these things. We feel these things. We identify with, with these things, all these things. But um, John doesn't talk about any of those things. John just says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we, be, and we have seen his glory. Let me ask you a question. What makes Christmas Christmas? Is it the shepherds? Is it the wise men? Is it the manger filled with hay? And let me suggest to you that it's none of those things. I mean, those things are great, but that's not really what it's about at all, is it? And you can say, well, no, but it's about the baby. Yes, but not just a baby. Because Christmas is about the glory, right? We have seen his glory, John says. Because if the baby were just another baby, there would be no Christmas. Babies are born every day, hundreds of times a day. I suspect thousands or tens of thousands of times a day. I don't know. But a lot. A lot of babies. And I say, good, bring it on. I love babies. Let's have lots of babies. And uh, let's teach them about Jesus. But if the baby born in Bethlehem that night were just any other baby, there would be no Christmas. What did the angels tell the shepherds? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And Jesus will grow up and he'll become a man and one day he'll look at all of the people and he'll say, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. The Christmas message is a message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And what's on the line here is your life. Our lives are on the line. Why is it so significant that Jesus is not a part of the creation, that he is over and above, and that he's coming to us from heaven? It's because the whole of creation is subject to corruption and decay and, and, and to despair and to and to condemnation because of sin. You know, your life and my life, how many times a day do we get disappointed? How many times a day do we disappoint ourselves? How many, how many times a day are we confronted by this constant reality of the fallenness and the brokenness and the despair of our, of our lives and of this world we live in? But when they, that little baby was born, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, Suddenly, the light shone because there was hope. And if Jesus is not our hope, then we have no hope. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't know what you picture when you picture the first Christmas. 
Um, but as I've reflected on it recently, I, I, I kind of picture people looking up. I mean, Mary, for example. When she hears that she's going to have a baby, but this baby is going to be the son of God, I, I just picture her looking up. I think I'm not a woman and I've never had a baby, but I think if somebody were to tell me that I was going to have a, a child and that child was going to be from heaven, I think I would be lifting up my eyes. And in fact, if you read in Luke's account, I think you see that there. And what about Joseph? You know, when he gets the news, I can, I can picture him looking up. I picture the shepherds looking up. I picture the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the wise men looking up. Of course they were looking up. They had to follow the star. I, 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 I even picture the sheep looking up, you know? And you might, you might, <laughs> you might laugh, but, but do you not think that the animals recognize their creator? Later, when Jesus rides into uh, Jerusalem on that donkey, it says that donkey had never been ridden. Have you ever been on a donkey that's never been ridden? I haven't, but I'm pretty sure it would not be a smooth ride. But that donkey recognized his maker. What about you? Do you recognize your maker? Do you recognize him as the one who came for you? Are you going to just hear about Christmas this year? Or are you going to experience it? How? How does a person really genuinely experience Christmas? It's there in the text. It says he came into his own, his own received him not, but to as many as receive him gave he the power, the right to be called the children of God. Somebody said the, the son of God became the son of man that sons of men might become the children of God. You can become a child of God. You, you need to simply receive Christ. And I hope that if you haven't made that conscious choice to open up your heart and your life and welcome and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, that you would do so today, right now, this Christmas time. What an amazing time of the year to experience the testimony of the, these truths right here in John chapter 1 and to go from being lost and condemned in your sin to being a child of God. Will you pray, pray with me? Lord, I thank you for all of your, uh, those who uh, are hearing these words this morning. And together we thank you for the testimony of the Apostle John who witnessed all of the glory that, that he saw in the life of Jesus Christ and how you revealed to him this glorious truth of the identity of Jesus as none other than our God come 
for us, Emmanuel, God with us. Come to save us. Come that as a son of God to become the son of man that we might become your children. Lord, I pray that even right now that you would just reveal this truth to uh, hearts and minds and that people uh, even today might understand just how, how um, reasonable, how wise and how intelligent it is to accept uh, you in their lives as creator and as Savior and Lord. We pray that many would become children of God this day and throughout this Christmas season. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.